0: Well, this is another edition of Unplugged and certainly a better time to be joining you this week after all of the uncertainty that came out of the debacle that was the Essendon game. We produced a, a memorable fight back to, to overhaul a 33-point deficit, kick the last eight goals of the game to down the West Coast Eagles, square our season away at two and two ahead of a, a difficult fortnight against arguably the competition's two best sides in Richmond and Port Adelaide. A five-day turnaround into the Tigers on Thursday night. So recording this one uh, nice and early, and uh, we have a casualty. Nick Splitter, one of our regular co-hosts, has uh, fallen crook over the last twenty-four hours, lost his voice, which makes this particular medium particularly difficult. So we uh, we have a, a substitute. We have Aaron McGrath here, our regular co-host. First of all, H, nice to uh, to have you with us as always.
1: Yes, it's much better situation than we probably thought we we're going to be in a half time, even halfway through the third quarter. So it just just seemed. Seeing... I, the change that went from the, the halfway through that third quarter to where we finished up, you just figured, well, if we can play at least three quarters of a game at that capacity, we're going to win a lot of games this season. So it, it yeah, just slumped back in the couch half time, sort of thinking, here we go again. But yeah, completely changed track after that.
0: It was a funny one because statistically it was a case of, well, how were we five and a half goals down? We were dominating. Possession through the middle, were well on top in clearances. Inside 50s and in territory was was our way. But the Eagles were clearly more efficient. They scored 16 times from 26 entries to halfway through the third quarter. 13 of those were goals. They were generating a lot of goals over the back by guys like Petrocelli. Obviously, Darling kicked a couple early in that same fashion. And they were just a lot cleaner. But it didn't feel like we were out of the game. We, we, we almost were on the scoreboard, but not in general play. So it wasn't entirely out of the question that we would get on top. But I don't think anyone expected it to to that magnitude, and uh, a lot of questions were: How much fight is there in the group? How much character is there in the group? How do they respond from that? And and the answer has left us feeling a lot more confident about it. Our co-host in place of Nick today is somebody whose work you'd be very familiar with. For anybody who trolls YouTube and Facebook for some killer content. It doesn't come any better than what is provided by our uh, our co-host. It is Andrew Shostak, who is, of course, the other uh, founder and creator of Saints FC Archive, which is a go-to place for uh, highlights, for match replays, for St Kilda-related content, uh, some absolute gems that you can find there, some of the... Uh, behind the scenes and news coverage around the 97 grand final things going back to the early days of tony lockett's career and much much more uh, you can basically pick a season and then spend an afternoon reviewing it on that page if you wish andrew thanks for stepping in and obviously good time to to have you with us so i'm sure that you uh, know in, in a year or so or however long it takes you to upload a replay of that st kilda west coast game i reckon that one might be searched for a few times
2: yeah, thanks. Uh, nice to be here, Darren and Aaron. It sounds like a bit of a rhyme there, Darren and Aaron. But uh, lo- lovely to join you, boys. And let me tell you, Darren, if you asked me last week, uh, this time last week to come on, I think um, oh, I think we we're all at stage last week. I, I actually left the game. I've never done that before in my life. Left the Essendon game ten minutes into the third quarter. Um, absolutely disgusted with with what was really looked like a, a lack of effort and champion data's. Uh, rankings. Uh, I think we were in the second quarter, registered 111 ranking points, which is the lowest ever recorded by a team in a quarter. And I know that uh, you know we were pretty we were pretty disappointed after that game. And I, I swore to myself that I actually wouldn't go to the West Coast game. But as the week goes on, you know the the blood uh, the blood certainly is red, white, and black. And you know, come Saturday morning, I woke up and I actually thought we were a really big chance to beat West Coast. And um, I was pretty frustrated halfway through the third quarter. Uh, as you said before, Darren, we've all indicated we saying we should have been a lot closer in the in the contest, and um, but we were just butchering the ball a little bit. And I know when Dougal Howard chipped it across goal to straight into the hands of Liam Ryan, I actually got out, out of my seat and changed. So I actually was thinking about leaving, but then I thought, no. And then I actually changed aisles and I went and sat about four aisles down. And from that moment on, we got the biggest run on of all time and I couldn't leave and... It was it was incredibly exciting, and you talk about champion data, ranking points. I think in the last quarter, I think our number got as high as two forty four. So, which is one of the which is off the charts. So, as Aaron said before, we bring that effort every week. Um, it's pretty hard to do every week because there's a pretty taxing game of footy to play. Uh, uh, the intensity we went with, but I can tell you, if we play, if we give that effort every week, there's nothing we can't do this year. I'm pretty convinced of that.
0: Yeah, I think that's the the assessment, and. We had on the back of our worst performance, probably in reality, maybe our worst performance since a Good Friday game against North in, in 2018, but possibly longer than that. We then faced three of the toughest tasks you can face in footy and you're staring at a cliff, really. You're, you're looking at one and five, potentially, if it goes wrong. You're nearly six goals down against a West Coast team that was in really good form and you're thinking, well... Uh, it's fading away at a, at a million miles an hour, but uh, we were able to uh, resurrect that, find a way through and, uh, and the response was terrific. And the response from individuals, I, I was probably a little unfair last week when we were talking about selection. And that I said, I hope as a club that we mo- reach the point where we move past selecting players like Daniel McKenzie. Three days later, he plays probably his best game for the club, uh, a huge role through the other middle of the ground. We all debated whether Brad Hill should have been dropped. He then played probably his best game for the club. Brad Crouch's response was was really impressive. Max King had a breakout game. And Dan Butler, I mentioned that, Coming into this West Coast game, he kicked nine goals in 13 matches. Uh, he then kicks three uh, and helps turn the game in the third term. H, uh, it was a day for responses, and, and it was good to know they had that in them after the uh, the real character assessment of the week before.
1: Yeah, well, you say maybe Dan McKenzie's best game. I say well and truly Dan McKenzie's best game. Um, we've seen glimpses of skill, glimpses of hard-nosed defender, um jumping in and yeah just wanting the ball but we've never seen a complete game like that from him um basically if we say that's a turning point for him he's put the handbrake on and done a full handbrake turn that, that he's gone a completely different direction and has put in a full game he hasn't just was it just bits piece and pieces he played a full game of footy he intercept marked he defended well he got up forward and as you say, pressure up forward and keep the goal from earn, earning the free kick off McGovern. It, it it was a brilliant game. And I mean, I'm going to pre preempt it a little bit, but unfortunately, I couldn't squeeze him into the vote. But geez, I would have loved to have.
0: Yeah, that was a challenge. There were so many that it was, uh, it was really, really difficult to get it in there. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts on the development of Max King um, a, across the way? We, we've sort of sensed that, particularly with the way the, the rules are set up this year and the open nature of the game, that it was only a matter of time until he kicked a bag he kicked 5 and probably could have kicked 8 uh, given the chances he had on the uh, on the afternoon but a genuine match-winning role from a, a number 12 in the key forward position for the Saints. So good to see that again.
2: Uh, you know, Max showed glimpses all of last year, um, getting his hands to the footy, and probably just he's, you know, just a little bit, I wouldn't say skinny, but just he just doesn't quite have that uh, three-year preseason AFL body. And I think you become a proper AFL footballer after you played, probably, I don't want to say proper, you're, you're genuine AFL footballer after three preseasons and 50. 50 games under the belt, but he, we've got to remind ourselves he's actually probably played what 25 games of footy or just under max. So, um, but really exciting signs. He's kicking for goal is still, you know, Jizzy was a really lazy kick in the uh, third quarter at the start of the third quarter. The kick, but overall uh, to to kick five and he's so agile on the ground. And I'll tell you what, he nearly kicked goal of the year at the start of our comeback in the third quarter, just when we were coming. That um, passage of play where he actually flew for the mark and then you know actually tapped the ball to himself and ran through two West Coast players and snapped it on the right foot, and it just missed. I'll tell you what, if that went through, uh, Marvel Stadium would have absolutely uh, torn the roof down on Saturday. So uh, really exciting signs. And interesting, you talk about Dan McKenzie. Leading up to the game, I actually yeah, just had a thought to myself when I was discussing it with one of my Kilda mates. Dan McKenzie is not a bad option for the wing. And I actually noticed at the start of the game, uh Turned up there, and actually was feeling pretty good. He lined up on the wing. He's got speed. He can mark. He's, he's an aggressive tackler, um, and he's did a great tackle in the third quarter there on McGovern as well. That sort of got, got us within, I think, sixteen points to that point as well. So you know, he played a really good game. One of definitely one of his better games for St Kildred. Um So i no, really really happy. And also, boys, you were just talking about selection there about Brad Hill and um, Dan McKenzie and some of the guys you thought would drop last week. One thing I'll say about Brett Ratton and the selection panel, every single week on Thursday night or Friday night when the teams come out, I could never say this about Alan Richardson, by the way, and that's all due respect, Alan Richardson. The team on Thursday night when Richo was coach, I always used to look at it and say, I can't believe these are the changes this week. Rats has got it right just about every week. And Mason Wood and McKenzie, absolutely, sorry, Mason Wood and Sean McKernan, 100%. I mean, with all due respect to them, nice people, whatever, I, I just, I don't understand why they're on our list. I understand McKernan to agree from the insurance point of view with Ryder and Marshall, but really they, they should not be playing in our team. Then there's no room for them in our team. And which um, is we looked a lot better without both of those boys in our side. So that's that's probably harsh on them. I'm not being it to be harsh, but just a much better balance lineup without those two in our team.
1: Yeah, I think I I think they were only meant to ever be back up and yeah, the last few weeks, that's definitely what we have needed with the guys missing that we are, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. Um, as you're saying with McKenzie again, yeah, it's, he's found what his position is. I think it's we, we with Richard, I think there's a lot of players who, as you're saying, did get played out of position. A lot of the time, there's been a couple of, I guess, gap fillers in positions and he's been used as that a lot, but I think if he's given an actual position, he can take that take that position and go this is mine this is what i'm doing this is this is the game i play so i i just saw a couple, there was there's a couple of times where you saw he got the ball he stopped he looked and went no that's not the right option he took that a half a second longer and went there's the option the kicking into the king in the forward 50 was was magnificent generally we see players just boost it into the 50 and lands on the defenders heads but he Summed up the situation beautifully and went, Oh, there's King by himself. Short little chip kick. Easy. Yeah. You've got it. To... Just showed it yeah. showed how easy it is to do.
2: Yeah, no, not enough credit given. We were three goal, I think it was three goals one to nothing early in the first quarter, probably five minutes into the first quarter. There was a high ball that got kicked to him on the outside wing that set up our first goal. And he stood under that ball under pressure, put his hands up and actually clunked the ball. And it was a a significant moment for him and us, what we needed, because actually the ball went down and Max King kicked the first dribble goal uh, for for us on the day. And and Mackenzie's work on the the wing there was outstanding.
0: Yeah, it certainly was. The ruck situation, obviously, having the presence of of Marshall, but, but Jake Carlisle's last couple of weeks, too, being asked to play a role that is not a normal role. Clearly, he was out of favour. Um, Brett Ratton was leaning towards James Frawley before he was injured and, and played high more obviously early in the season as well. And Carlisle gets the opportunity on the back of, say, Hunter and McKernan, not necessarily delivering in those big man posts. And against Natanui, with Marshall on one leg for most of the second half, Carlisle's influence was enormous on the contest. And I do wonder. I know Max Gorm would have beaten him, uh, probably in a similar fashion to the way he beat the likes of Hunter and McKernan. But you do wonder, in retrospect, if you had Carlisle moving around the grounds, how he might have, uh, how he might have fared. Even just sort of dropping a kick behind the play and keeping us in the uh, in the contest. So I guess you live and learn from that. But he'll he'll be asked to do a bit this week, whether Marshall does or or does not play. Um, it's probably a difficult one to to assess in terms of votes, H, I might give you the floor first of all in regards to your 3-2 and 1. Last week was difficult to find the 1. I think we all knew the other 3 and the 2 uh, but we're, uh, we're trying to uh, to ascertain this week a chance to, to to fill say 3 spots with 9 or 10 players
1: It is a difficult one. Very very difficult. Um, as I said before, I wish I could have squeezed Mackenzie in I just couldn't. I wish I could have squeezed um, Hill in. I couldn't um, Carlisle as well he he could he just probably deserved the vote, but there's yeah I just don't have the room for him. Um, I've had to give one to Brad Crouch, twelve tackles, nine of them were by half time. He obviously he was the one, one of the ones keeping us in it in in that first half. He was laying, laying the tackles, getting plenty of the ball for himself as well. Um, but yeah, best game for us so far. I mean to say, made two games, but. Improvement on last week was magnificent, significantly, um, significant improvement on last week. Uh, two to Billings popped up everywhere, just used the ball beautifully all day. Um, can't remember exactly how many score involvements I heard he had, but the number was massive. Um, oh, the kicking goals himself, the that rove off the pack, off the back of the pack. That was that was a beautiful goal, just. Picked it and I oh, had the defenders closing in on him just to snap it through. It, it wasn't an easy angle, um, but that was a beautiful finish. And as as feels like as a running theme, I have got to give it through to Steele. Led the way again and just just racks up the touches, uses it uses it beautifully every time he gets it. And he's leading this team as well as anyone could.
0: Yeah, I gave one vote to Brad Crouch, similar to, to you. 12 tackles, which is the second most he's ever had in a game. 26 possessions, led the way in the first half and battled hard in the second. Uh, plenty of apologies, uh, apologies to McKenzie, apologies to Billings, Carlisle, uh, Butler, even an apology in that sense. Zach Jones finished the game really well. So I gave one to Crouch. I gave two votes to Max King, um, five goals, had about eight or nine shots, took some contested marks. Uh, really stood up, kicked a crucial goal in the third quarter when we were up against it. Kicked three in the first, and then kicked a big goal to get us within three points in the last quarter. He made the contest that led to the Billings goal. Uh, he gave the hand pass off to Steele to kick what was effectively the sealer. Uh, and Jack Steele does get the uh, the three votes again. Thirty-three possessions. He's kicked five goals in three weeks. Uh, he's had 93 possessions over that three-week period. He was our standout player when we were horribly out of form over the last fortnight and then led the way in our return to form, as you would hope the captain would do. So one to Crouch, two to King and three to Steele. But yeah, last week we hardly had any options for votes. This week we had plenty. Uh, Andrew, how would you have uh, deciphered your saints brown I votes?
2: I, I think you guys have, have named all the players. Uh, they're the only one that you haven't mentioned who... He probably didn't have his best game, but you just underline again to us, probably the most important player in our side for structure is Rowan Marshall, Um, just to have him back in the side. And it's funny, when he went off, you know, 10 minutes before half time, we were all fearing the worst there. And actually, it was probably the period, the only period of the day we looked just a little bit flat again when Marshall was off the ground and we weren't sure whether he was coming back on. I can tell you, you know, we were all pretty flat in the grandstand watching it that, geez, if Marshall's injured again, we're in big trouble. But it, when, once we saw him out there at the start of the third quarter, very, very, um, very happy. And look, he, did, he oh, clearly he's just come back, didn't play his best game. But just what he means to our side... Very, very important. Wouldn't get him in the votes this week. And also apologies to probably Jay Carlisle, uh, who I thought played an absolutely sensational game. One of his better games in a long time. Um, I thought Zach Jones' second half was absolutely sensational. Absolutely played a ripping right back to the Zach Jones that we saw last year. Energy up, moved, you know, a lot of center clear- they Actually got a lot of center clearances in the second half. Zach Jones It really, really played well. Um, apologies to Dan McKenzie as well, who played really well. Great to see Butler getting us going in the third quarter. He's been a bit down the last couple of weeks, but really just sparked us there for five minutes. Apologies to Max King and probably a couple of, and Brad Hills, I thought first quarter was probably the best quarter he's played in St. Kilda Colours since he's got to St. Kilda, since he's got to St. Kilda, probably not as good throughout the rest of the game, but his first quarter, he was really, really good. Um, But I'll give one vote to Jack Billings. I thought, he was sensational um and aaron as you said that goal off the pack at the in the last quarter the one touch tapped in in front of him snapped it on the left and he knew it was a beauty too because if you look at his reaction he's got the finger going and he's got the cheeky smile going he he knew it was a ripper um played a great game really probably playing more forward this year than than he has previous years probably was sort of playing wing and and d50 a lot but um I reckon Ratz has actually unleashed him a little bit more forward and he looks very, very dangerous. Um, probably could have kicked three or four, but certainly was involved in at least four or five goals and um, played a great game. Two votes to Brad Crouch. I just thought right from the, from the opening bounce, he was sensational. Um, set the tone with the tackles. Probably got heavily criticised by, you know, Matty Lloyd and a few others in the media last week. That, you know, maybe he's too slow in the game. But this new modern game has gone past a midfielder like him. And, uh, geez, I thought he was absolutely sensational. Um, you know, really, really complimenting our midfield as well. And uh, he's, he's, I think he's absolutely going to be a great acquisition for us. Just knows how to find the footy. Um, really, really played well. And three votes, clearly Jack Steele. I mean, how can you go past this guy? I mean, I, my, I've been Jack Steele's biggest fan since the day he walked to St Kilda Footy Club. He knows it. We've spoken about it. He sent me a message. Uh, I sent him a message when he got named captain. He sent me back a magnificent response that I always believed in him from the day he walked in. And I I, I think this guy, I know that Callan Ward, when he left GWS, Callan Ward said that there was one recruit, you know, forget about Trelaw, forget about Devin Smith, all of these guys that they lost. The one that, that he's he really was the most upset about was Jack Steele and uh, I thought he was going to be an unbelievable footballer. Now, I'm telling you this guy, I don't want to moz him and put, put in any things on like him. He, I mean, for me, he's in the Patrick Cripps conversation right now is in terms of he is that good a footballer, and if he's not in the best five or six midfielders playing AFL football right now, well, I don't know anything about the sport. He's just an absolute ripper, just a great person, great captain. What a great choice as captain, inspired game, and... Um, just getting better and better. Third in the Brownlow last year, runaway best and fairest winner. Um, we're, we're very, very lucky to have him. What a player. Yeah, I, I did see something on,
1: it was on Channel seven the socials earlier tonight. They have some uh, ranking system that they got going on by a couple, a couple of people on the, I can't remember exactly what shot it was, but they had him up into fourth, um, most, inf- most influential player in the league. So it was only behind basically, at the moment, Petrarca, gone, and uh, oh, I can't remember who the other one was exactly. I think it was Tex, possibly. Who was it second? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, how long is that going to last? We don't know. But yeah, the game, the game has changed this year. So I, and you, you compare in the Crips, I've, I, I think he's moved past past Crips to get away the game is at the minute. The Crips well, is it- very, very much a a, a hard in the stoppages sort of player. Yeah. Steele has that, but then he runs off as well. Yeah. The Crips doesn't have the pace, I don't
2: think. Yeah. Well, he was, look, he's still, he was clearly a top five player in the 2020 season last year. I mean, Lockie Neal, Petrarca, um, Steele, Tom Hawkins, and there was, uh, there was one other that I'm, that's escaping me, but he was absolutely a, a top five player in the comp last year. And, Absolutely, it certainly hasn't gone down at all this year, and in fact, he's getting better. He's actually playing better footy. So, um yeah, look, he's, he's, he's just a star, and I'll tell you what, it'd be really interesting. I mean, I know we we he's played a lot of run with roles, and his run with roles were very different to to you know a hard tagger. He was actually playing, he was going head to head with Bontempelli and, and these sort of guys, and beating them really for for a number of years. It'd be very interesting to see. I know we'll get on the Richmond game a little bit later. It'll be very, very interesting to see. Uh, you know, do we put him up against Dusty when Dusty's in the center this week and let him go head to head with him, and then probably Wilkie will take Dusty when he goes, when he goes forward. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be pretty interesting. Duncan,
3: he was held without it. Didn't go very far. Jack Daniels. Now sometimes it's an interesting kick. Well, he comes across the ground and he finds ways a bit of it. That was a good one. Fourteen points Lee at quarter time. As you say, they get this one now, bringing them back to twenty-one. Still well and truly in the ball game. That could bring rain. It's high. It's just about got the distance, I think, that kick. Deceivingly high, but it's straight in the corner.
0: Well, our next guest, uh, we we did speak about the prospect of chatting to him last week, but great to get him on now, and particularly that coincided with the return of a Ruckman in a game that underlined how important Ruckman are to the success of a team. You get Rowan Marshall back, you get a bit of a structure back, and you see what happens. And uh, St Kilda, we we worked on the stat last week, I was talking to Aaron about it, that Uh, During Lazar Bidovic's career at St Kilda, the Saints' winning record was just a tick under 43%. But in games that Lazar played, the winning record was about 56 57%, which probably shows how important he was when he was fit and available within that St Kilda lineup. Played in the finals run in 91 and St Kilda missed a, a key Ruckman in the 97 grand final that everyone talks about in Peter Everett, but they missed two with Lazar going down with a knee injury against Port Adelaide in the final round. And you wonder what the presence of either of those two big men, particularly both, would have done in that game. But he does join us, a cold hero of the Saints. Lazar, thanks for your time.
3: Hello, fellas. Um, any time, any day, I'm appreciative that you could um, invite me to your show, fellas. It's oh, nice it's- to uh, be able to have a part in it.
0: Wanted to start off with uh, the 97 question that everyone's spoken about. Um, uh, Everyone always said that there was a bit of a a cult uh, statement or a cult myth, if you will, that uh, you said that uh, words to the effect of there's no way Darren Jarman would have kicked five goals in the last quarter if you were playing (laughs) because you may have done something about it. Uh, Is that true that you might have uh, perhaps picked him off if it was necessary?
3: (laughs) Well, back in the day, you could pick someone off because, you know, there's probably one or two cameras on the grounds back then. Now you've got, you've got like four, 30, 40 cameras on every player. So back in the day, you probably could have picked him off, got away with it behind the play incident. I'm not saying that I would have done something, but we could have. But um, I think it was just a mismatch on the day. Um, I did my knee. Spider Everett done his knee. Um, Stan Ells got got coach with the players that Malcolm Blythe had. He was able to put Jarman on Shanahan um, – He's was able to manipulate his team against the ours. Look, Mod, don't forget, I was out. So was Modra. Tony Modro, was a 10-goal 10, 10 player. Um, people say if I hadn't played or Spider hadn't, which we both did, we probably could have won. But I suppose the players have got a line in a grand final. And, um, yeah, look, I'm still probably filthy to today that I wasn't able to have an impact on the game because I was injured. Yeah. Lays, Lay's answer the question that Darren asked you
2: because that's what we really want to know. Had <laughs> yeah. that, that that would have been your last game of football, right? Because you retired at the end of that yeah, season. Yeah. What would you have done had you have played in the 97 grand final? <laughs> Come
3: on, well, you would have tried to knock you would have tried to knock out Jarman straight away, or you would have tried to knock out um look, you look, look at every grand final. Dermot Breran got knocked out by Yates, um Dipper Domenico. Uh, you look at the players. Uh, there's always an incident in the grand final um, where somebody there's a defining moment, a defining act. It doesn't have to be a physical act, and not probably it's probably a low act by myself. Saying, "Look, having some could have been in the finals, I would have tried over, um, I would have called over broken broken glass to try and beat anyone and did anything I like did." But yeah, what I say and what I do in front of hundred thousand is a different story. I would have loved to have knocked out Jarman because Harvey was running rampant. Um, the way the matchups went, they beat us on the day. You know, Barry Hawes in his first, first sort of, um, first final. Nikki, we made some bad, um, situations with his, um, family. Um, Stewie Lowe's, uh, a, a close family member had died. So we had a lot of bad things go against us. But look, getting back to the grand final, yeah, I would love to have knocked out Jarman. So Shanahan would have been sweet and, you know, just put Steve Ziller on him or something like that. Um, a
1: similar sort of theme. You kind of almost wanted to get rid of Fremantle, to win their first game of football ever. You you pre- almost put it on yourself to remove them from the league. It's it the first game you went out there in the practice game or the or the set Cup it was back then and just decide to go. I don't like this team already. Like, well, what happened that day? <laughs> a Bit warm or what?
3: What was yeah, it? Yeah, well, I, I came out of the Broadmanos League as a kid. I played at Coolaroo in Broadmanos back in the old Western, uh, not Western suburbs, Northern suburbs, and um. Anyway, I've got it took a hard road to get to play for um St. Kilda. Um, next we playing Frio, it was the first game I go, okay, St. Kilda versus Fremantle. I'm thinking, well, we're AFL material, who's Fremantle? So, next minute, there's Spider Burton that I played against, he's taking a couple of marks against me, and going, oh, he, he, he's not up to AFL material. I'm thinking, where are these guys come out of? So, I got frustrated going, oh, bloody, uh, you know, local Waffle League bloke taking a mark over me. So, I was giving him a couple of cray on the head. Next minute. All the other teammates have come in, and I didn't know it was Brendan Crumble. so I just threw a right hand little hand out and ran the straight into Brendan Crumble's eye and cut him over the I give him eight, ten stitches, and um, I'm sorry, I'm still sorry to today that I did that. Sorry, Brendan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Your arrival at the club. So obviously you played a game in '89, didn't play '90, and then '91 was a, a pretty good year for you and the club. You arrived when St Kilda is at a relatively low air, but a club legend in Darrell Bulldock is coaching them. Tony Lockett's uh, back, fit and firing, ran rampant at the start of 89 before he got suspended and then injured. Uh, he was on track to kick 200 goals that year, kicked 71 in the first nine games before that uh, suspension. Can you take us through your first impressions of Marabin after your football journey coming to a, a St Kilda club that was in the midst of change? They were heading towards uh, what was going to be some good times with Harvey and Lowe and Burke and Winmar and these guys arriving at the club.
3: Yeah, look, it was a very, very um, tough era where, look, I'd I'd played at North Melbourne under the Cracker Brothers and um, John Kennedy um, and wasn't guaranteed a game. So I ended up at Castlemaine. So um, apparently Grant Thomas was uh, a bit of a spotter up in um, the Bendigo League and uh, got recruited to St Kilda by John Beveridge, Luke Beveridge's dad, who coaches the Bulldogs. we guy. And he kept peppering me, peppering me to come down and – I played down Murrabin, um, and that's when I met Tony Lockett and that and all the guys like that. And um, we go, "Who's yeah, Tony Lockett? Like, he, he kicked ten goals in that game in '89." I got re- invited down there. I'm, I've come out of the bush, and I'm, he's kicked ten goals on him. And um, in the social club, they've gone, "Oh, uh, to Tony. You're still a fat, Tony. You're still carrying weight." And he's knocked out Ricky Watt in the, in the social club in the, the rooms. And um, the like asked to me after the game goes, well, I've just kicked 10 fucking goals, ladies. What do they want me more to do? You know, like, so it was a bit of a transition from part-time footballers to professional footballers. We didn't even know it. So we're paid like almost professional footballers, but being knockabouts like ourselves from the local leagues and that, we didn't know how important it was to um, be professionals. We thought being professional was getting home getting to bed by eight o'clock on a Sunday night or Saturday night get up on Sunday morning but you know it was just, it was t- very tough times transitional period from amateur to professional even though we were professional but it was a hard hard era Lays, take it take us back to the first final you played
2: for the Saints in 91 against uh Geelong at the elimination yep. final of Waverly. I remember it was eighteen years, I think, between finals appearances for the Saints. Yep. Uh, yep. And uh I remember with a few of our mates we actually got to Waverly at eight, 8 AM in the morning. We were the first wow. one. We we were so excited. <laughs> and you were running around in the big number fifty jumper, mate. Um what were tell tell us your memories of that game and why were you in the number fifty? I know the next following year you went to I think number nine, but uh you were fifty in the final.
3: Yeah, it was 91. Um, I'd done my knee in 1990. I trained all preseason. season a, a guy named Damian Kaczynski had number nine um, in 90. And um, there was word was they wanted me to have a photo with a number one ticket holder, was Ellie McPherson. But I'm, in, I'm in hospital at the, um know, in Gipps Street in, the, in um, West Melbourne at a knee recall. I didn't know that my knee was fucked and um, they said, we want to have a photo with Al Nick first. So, Damien, because this guy, the number nine job, I had a photo with her. I'm in the hospital bed, get my knee reconstructed. And there's Damien. He played about two or three games for some tour. God bless him, a, a saint from Adelaide. And um, yeah, I missed the photo with bloody El Nick first. And so, um, anyway, so after that 90 season, I become – it was 1991. Next to me, I played a few good games, had a broken ribs. Bernard put me in hospital. Um, with a, with a punctured lung, he hit me behind the play at Sydney Swans in 1991, which was about. Ended up getting the ones, and I'm playing At Stephen Hooper with broken ribs. Uh, we we played Geelong at Waverley, so I turn up. And there's we got beaten by five points. I think uh, I think Lockett kicked about nine, three or nine, yeah, five missed a few. Um Ryan, Ryan and uh, I think Ablon yeah. knocked out Nathan Burke and um Correct. David Grant. Yep. Yeah. I got hit I, I got two weeks hitting um Ken Because yeah. I got a king hit from behind. It was my first time ever in a final. I've played at eleven games. So all of a sudden I played at Castle like League. That's when I'm playing for um St Kilda in the AFL at Waverley Park. Now what am I doing here? I didn't think, you know, that I should be playing there. I'm going, Wow, just it was like mind boggling, you know. And um we got beaten by five points and we could have had one more game we should have won and got into the final. And we beat Hoffman that year. I think it was in the Batmobile, was it at Waverley Park? Remember the Batmobile when um, Angry Anderson yes. sang the theme song, We Can't Be Beaten? Yep. So we had another time where we just missed out on another final through pure bad luck of injuries and whatnot, you know. It was the
2: top, top six plays then and we. I think we finished, uh, I think it was third place. Three played four and five played six, both in knockout games. So we were we were a little bit unlucky with the way uh, the way the draw was that year. The following yes. year, the following year, mate, you you backed up in '92 and you in the number nine jumper. And you, I remember you playing against Damien Monkhurst in our uh, elimination final, winning in Collingwood. You remember that game? Yes,
3: yes. Um, Damien Um Yeah, I hated him. He hated me. Uh, Tony Shaw. Um, we had a good game. There's guys like Sean Ralph Smith that come come out of nowhere. He's, I think his uh, son plays for one of the teams now. Um, um, Hawthorne. Yeah. yeah, Hawthorne, yeah. Sean Ralph Smith. Um, so we had another chance to better ourselves, um, but um, for some reason we didn't go on with it. No, I think the, the Bulldogs beat us the next second elimination final. Um, but yeah, it looks just Probably timing, bad luck. What can I say, fellas? It's like finals, um, you got to get yourselves in there, but it's lucky to get in there and do the and have the right teams to beat. But it's another thing to beat them on the finals day. So I think you need a lot of luck in the finals as well.
1: Yeah. I bet you would have loved to have played more games at Moorabbin because I'm, I'm sure you're someone who would have reveled in the – the rev up from the the animal enclosure and just, it, it, you would have absolutely loved the noise coming from there and the encouragement, I guess you could call it at times. So I'm sure how, if you could play more
3: games there, how big a player do you think you might have been? You know, uh, at Moorabbin, I reckon I kicked, I kicked about 20 points at Moorabbin and I was one of the kicker goal, like in front of the animal enclosure and I, I never kicked a goal at Morabin. My biggest regret was not kicking a goal at Moorabbin. um uh, Having all the supporters behind me, it was worth about five or ten goals extra. Playing at Marrabin with the animal enclosure and the whole club there It was such a uh, an advantage to the uh, to ourselves to beat the opposition. It was a great. Yeah. You know, um,
2: so, lads, we had a couple of we had a couple of years in '94 and five where We were sort of probably just rebuilding a little bit, and then the start of '96. With Stan as coach. We had that night series, uh yep. Yep. The night series where we started really well, then we beat Hawthorne and uh, went over to Adelaide and won and then beat West Coast. And then we played Carlton in the grand final, which um, you, you were up against uh, big Justin Madden, packed yep. Waverly, I think they were as 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 we it. get, huge crowd, incredible atmosphere, one of the most amazing atmospheres that a night game I've ever seen. It was, yeah. Pump Carlton. You and you were you started that game. You set up you set up Nikki Winmar, I think, in the first quarter with a ripping uh Tap tap on that he kicked a great goal. Um, what do you remember of that game? How what was the like playing? And didn't, didn't the St Kilda supporters go crazy after the game? Mate,
3: I, I had uncles that I'd never seen for um like uh, that. That when I was a kid, i had uncles turn up me ground at the ground to come and see me. They'd never seen me as a kid, I had long lost uncles, aunties come and see me, <laughs> and uh, it was amazing. I remember the euphoria about playing it because St Kilda haven't played a um. A premiership's 1966. Yeah. um, it was, it was so surreal because um, we are starved the premierships for so long, um, and um, to get in that final it was like it was so much. It was about eighty thousand. So, um, it was almost treated like a a grave an AFL grand final day match. So we 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 we. we and then we play the main season, the first home and away round. We lose a to North Melbourne on it. What hell's happened? I go, well, we had a hangover from the night premiership that we thought was a real premiership, and we didn't really win one, but it was a fake premiership, you know what I mean? So, but we tried to win our first premiership since the '60s, which we did, and um, we become a hangover in the main round of the main season. I'm trying yeah, to say we lost our
0: first three that year and, and obviously won the next four but never really recovered we were a chance to play finals for most of 96 but, but just fell short with a a couple of those results along the way and, and yeah that, that was back when the preseason comp was was pretty big I mean we, we played north a couple of years later yeah in yeah, year, yeah. that was big when obviously Hawthorne won it at Waverley in, in 99 it was a pretty big competition but uh, can you that that 97 year when we're in all sorts of trouble at, at one and four. Um, that the recovery came. You got back into the side late in the year. We had a good win in Sydney where you kicked a, a big goal. Can you explain from, from your view how it turned around in 97? Yeah, well,
3: um, Norm Goss, that was um, the chairman of selectors back in one day, he went with Brett Cook. So um, he reckons I had a bit of a fat ass and he was carrying a bit of condition. So he started playing, playing Brett Cook from Fitzroy. And said, you're not going to get back on the team while you're you're not fit and blah, blah, blah. And um Brett Cook, good bloke, a good ruckman. He's only been six foot four. He couldn't hold the ruck on his own. So every time he came up against, say, Ren and Pittman, he was one out and he couldn't keep the ruck on his own. So, but when me and Spider, when Spider's on his um, collarbone, we we're both six foot six, six foot seven. We could double team, say, Ren and Pittman for the Adelaide Crows. Um so, anyway, halfway through the season, I'm in the reserves and some killers losing and what and whatnot. And um, I said to Stan, I go, why don't you just give me a go in the ruck? Give me a spell. Put Lowy at centre forward. Put Spider at full forward and rotate the three of us. Because when the old days when a ruckman rucked the whole four quarters, if you look at today's game, the ruckman goes on and off, on and off. It goes forward. But back in our day, we were called dinosaurs because you ruck the whole four quarters. And I just said, look, just give me a spell. And um, and they did it in the leading up to the finals. And they go, what a magical um, master move by Stan Owls. Lowy goes to center forward. Spider goes in the ruck. I go on the bench. So I get a rest. Then I go back in the ruck. Spider goes to full forward. Lowy goes to center forward. It's like a rotation. That's when the rotations first come into it. And um, I think that was the, the time when St. Kilda and the AFL, like even with us, um, Realise that No one player Can play in one position you got to be versatile And be able to play You look at today's footy A ruck ball go forward Goes in revert back Goes forward And goes on the bench So you've got to be versatile You know what I mean So um, We should have won that year We missed out by Just a bee's dick And it was probably The one that got away You know boys Terrible
0: it certainly is and yeah I think as we started at the the way that 97 season was going and the momentum built the presence of yourself or Spider or preferably both. I still think structure-wise for exactly the reasons you stated with Pittman dropping back on low and, and just eliminating that type of scenario would have done wonders for us for where we were. But Lazar, as we said, a, a cult hero, those, those times at Moorabbin. I'm listening to a lot of old games on on YouTube at the moment where they've got full radio calls and you taking an 11 marks at Morabin and things like that. So plenty of great memories. And thanks for for joining us on Unplug It this week
3: it's nice to be able to talk to you about the old days and um, appreciate the, the invite and I hope you go well with your podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, g'day everyone. Um, oh,
4: it's uh, so much more enjoyable, but uh, you know, a week is a long time in footy. Um, you know, to respond the way that we did and, you know, the players were quite embarrassed from last week and uh, to do what we did and Really, the the big thing was when we were headed, and we just stuck to our guns, and we just kept fighting and scrapping, and we just put them under pressure, and uh, to get that result was brilliant. Um, you know, I just I just think about Max getting a reward today for some of his hard work, but uh, you know, Crouchy coming in and showcasing what he can do, and Jake Carlisle and, and Rowan Marshall in the ruck. You know, we were plus fifteen for clearances against a team that's led by Nat Nui, and you know, Kelly's at ground level who hurt us last year, but. Um, yeah, you know, it's really pleasing to bounce back, um, you know, footy is such a, a leveler at times and I think, uh, you know, for us to just get a bit of a reset, um, win, lose or draw, um, it's a way you go about it and I think tonight showed that we have the capabilities, um, you know, but it's been consistent in that space and that's going to be a challenge against Richmond, Port, whoever we have to play going forward. Um, we We've shown we can do it, but... You know, making sure that we can do it for the four quarters. And today, we didn't drop our bundle. Five goals down, and we just stuck to the task. And that's what footy is—it's going to throw your curveballs and that. But you know, take away the strategy and what we had to do, it was really just about effort. And uh, to get that result was brilliant. And we look forward to seeing everyone for the Matty match um, next week. Um, it was. Yeah, it was great to hear the crowd and the supporters, and for us to have fifty thousand is absolutely brilliant. Um, and footy, we're going to have to ride the bumps and, you know, enjoy the, the you know, the lick of the ice cream, as David Parkin used to say to me. Um, but know uh, yeah, footy's just a great leveler, but great to have everyone back and great to be back on the winners' list.
0: We look ahead to Richmond, it is Maddie's match, of course. So, we had Maddie's match last year, but with a difference. So, we, we did win that corresponding fixture with the Tigers, which was also in round five as it falls this time around. Uh, no crowds last year, that is welcome back. The Tigers, in probably a similar position where they're playing okay, but not at their very best. Their performance against Port Adelaide uh, was certainly commendable in a, in a high standard game. Uh, they're reasonably healthy. Obviously, Prestia is still out of that lineup. But Dustin Martin started the year really well. Jack Rewalt's actually in pretty good form uh, coming off, uh, probably an indifferent start to last year. Uh, if you compare it, five games ago, obviously, we played Richmond in a knockout semi-final. We were missing several key players. A lot of those guys still aren't going to play. I mean, Gresham was missing that night. Ryder was missing that night. We won't have either of them back. Uh, ben Long may not be selected. Obviously, he's been the sub the last two weeks. Uh, but Jake Carlisle will play a part, and he would have been important in that game. You add Crouch and Higgins, to our team, and it's it's a matchup. They are the best team in the competition. They are the benchmark, but it's a matchup that we haven't been horrible in. Um, obviously, we won that game last year. We were competitive in the final. We uh, were, were pretty competitive against them at the MCG in 2018 when they were the reigning premiers. I think we we're in front at three quarter time in 2019 against them as well. So it, it's a matchup that's not the worst for us, no matter how good they are. I guess H that the question coming off. Uh, the momentum that we built out of last week, can we sustain that on a five-day break against the Richmond team trying to guard against losing three games in a row for the first time since 2017? So they have lost three games in a row in a premiership season. They actually lost four in a row that year. Um, so it's not unheard of. People saying, oh, they won't lose three in a row. Well, they can. Um, how, do you, how do you assess the contest?
1: Well, it's probably the best time for us to get. And we find that, when I mean, you say we've got a good record against them, it's generally been that game early in the year that we've got them and we've got them well. Um, apart from, obviously, 17 was a bit later in the year, but um, yeah, we played them early last year and played well against them knocked them off. Um, they've, they're only on a six-day break coming back from Adelaide as well. So sure. it's, it's not technically when you look at it, okay, they came back to Melbourne only five days ago. So, or by the time the game starts, they've come back to Melbourne five days beforehand. It's, they don't have the perfect lead into it either. So it's sort of, it's almost evens out to a five day game each. So um, it, I think it is the time to get them. Um, but you can say that later in the news when you have to beat them. So get get there this week, get them basically played. If we can play like I was there last week, at least put up that sort of effort where every chance to win the game again. Um, so it's just a matter of if we show up, we're an absolute chance. They're so-so at the moment. They're, as you're saying, they're not—they're not the worst team going around, absolutely. But they—they they can be beaten on their day, no matter what.
0: Andrew, your, your thoughts on, I guess, the areas where it can be done, and, and what, what are you expecting? Last week, the expectation was pretty easy. We needed effort. I mean, they were so ordinary against destiny that it was, whatever happens, win, lose, or draw, you need commitment. You need a sign that they are prepared to fight. Now that they have done that and they have won the game, what is your expectation this time? Well,
2: I've, first of all, just as I think you were a little bit early on waving the white flag on Paddy Ryder there. I, I think that the, the, talk, the talk out of uh, the Saints this week is, he, he is absolutely under strong consideration of playing on Thursday night. Uh, wouldn't And particularly, if I, I would say that decision might even be accelerated if Rowan Marshall doesn't get up for the game. I think um I think Paddy Wright is a very big chance to play on Thursday night, particularly if Marshall doesn't play. Um, but where do we get him? Look, I, I think we match up incredibly well on, against Richmond. I think, uh, you know, clearly Dusty's their big weapon. I think we can, you know, we were talking before about uh, just off air about maybe Jack Steele takes him and, you know, head to head in the center and Kellen Wilkie's always taken him when he's gone forward and, and done really, really well on him. I think he's held him goalless the last two times he's played on him when he's gone forward. Um, Look, they're they're a great side and they're, they're incredibly well coached and their system is great. And I thought their game against Port Adelaide the other night was probably one like that was clearly the best game of this season from a standard point of view. That uh, Port Adelaide have got some running, you know, some speed and which we do as well. And we can really worry them with our speed at Marvel if we get up if we get going. We've got some very very quick wheels in our team, and if we if we get running, we can we can really uh, take it up to Richmond as we as we did last year at Marvel as well. We I thought we ran him off our legs, ran them off their legs that day. We were too fast for them. We actually really showed a lot of speed. And I think guys like Hill and uh, likes playing Richmond as well. I think he's set for a really big game. I, I think we're a we're a big chance. And I'll tell you one thing, there's going to be a massive crowd at Marvel on Thursday night. I actually spoke to the AFL today. They're, they're expecting 100%, well if it was hundred percent, there's 75% capacity and they believe it'll be absolutely packed to the rafters at 75% so a huge crowd so all Saints fans make sure they get along on Thursday night because yeah. it's nothing better than having a home crowd yeah, outnumbered. The
0: Kilda members get at least a day priority on Richmond so it's a chance for us to outnumber them which we should do at a home game anyway but we know they've got fans everywhere uh, for Matty's match as well which is significant to both clubs obviously given the uh, the Rewalt name but but yeah it, it's it's an interesting one I mean and that's no disrespect to the Tigers, clearly they are the benchmark side, but we do match up okay on them. Uh, they're certainly, you'd think a little bit more consistent and a little bit more reliable, uh, which is something that we're looking to develop. Um, clearly, as you say, we'd love Marshall to play uh, and we'd love Ryder to play. If they both play, what do we think they do? Because Jake Carlisle's done his job and we did miss him in that final last year, dropping back in front of Lynch and Rewell, coming out of that forward line. So, if Ryder is fit and they play both he and Marshall, what do you think, Andrew, they'll do at the selection table as in who would go out for Ryder?
2: Well, that, look, I'll tell you, there's only one guy in our side out of form at the moment uh, from the game on Saturday. And I, I love him as a footballer. He came fifth in our best and fairness last year. He's a terrific player, but geez, Nick Coffield's really out of form at the moment, and I saw his game on Saturday, and he just looked – he was the only one that actually didn't get going when we got going, and he just – he he's probably, I know probably from a team balance point of view, you probably think if you've got Carlisle and Dougal Howard in the back line, if Carlell, if Ryder plays, you probably assume Carlisle goes back and you've got Marshall and uh, and King and Membry sort of playing as yeah. well forwards. Uh that's yeah, it might be oh, look, I'm not sure, but Coffield is a really good player, but just I thought he was I thought he was probably the only one that didn't come to the party last Saturday. And just looks a little bit just down on confidence at the moment. So he would be probably the one most at risk from the team on the weekend. And the other one is if Billings is going forward um, more as he did last week and you've got Higgins and Butler, does Loney stay in the side as well? But Loney's pressure racks were in the top five on the weekend. So... It's going to be, look, a really challenging one. It's a really good question, Daz. I don't know who would. Isn't, isn't that a great position to be in, as, as opposed to seven days ago when we probably could have dropped about eighteen players after that performance? So, um, really, really tough one for. So, and you still got Ben Long wanting to, you know, waiting to come in as well. So, um, so it's you know, finally some integrity at selection and some pressure on the players to keep performing, which is has been missing so far for this part of the season. So, it's good. It's probably That's
0: hard for the um, um, battle. I mean, because we, last week we talked about a couple of players. I mean, Battle eleven marks and Webster, another one that, that really did stand up. H. But but yeah, it's it's interesting. With that, we know we've got the long term injuries of Patton, Geary, and Hanbury, um, and Frawley's probably only a couple of weeks away. But whether they play him or not, but starting to get a little bit healthier, and and now we're getting those challenges, which is good. Because as Andrew was saying last week, you could have dropped everyone. This week you're thinking, well, what changes could we make if we've got to bring players back?
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, you say battle and taking 11 marks, that sort of thing, but it, you just sit there and think, oh, it could be the player that gets forced out. And no, you I sort don't. of go, you don't want that to happen, but it may. It, I mean, yes, I Caulfield's, as you're saying, out of form at the moment, but the best place for him to be to find that form again is in the team playing his position. um it's whether we whether he does need a week off we don't i'm not so certain about but yeah it's it's such a hard situation going well yeah who who do you drop from a team who's putting that sort of effort it's it, it's a really really tough one and unfortunately yeah they're the sort of players that you think well they're getting they're the only ones you really can well, um, that was
0: too versatile i mean i know Last week I was probably talking about his versatility sometimes working against him and that he couldn't lock down a spot, but he's so important to the side that if they could find a position for him, I mean, even if he plays forward with Carlisle back, then it gives us another option to potentially stretch them. How they match up forward is is interesting given, obviously, Castagna plays small. Their midfielders have been pushing forward, guys like Bolton and, and Lambert and Martin obviously hitting the scoreboard fairly frequently through there as as well. Uh, we know they don't have as many small forwards available as they have had in the uh, in the past with, with us having a couple of them on our list now, but uh, probably depends how tall or small we think they'll go. But yeah, it's a, it's a nice position to, to be in. I guess, Andrew, big picture-wise, I was thinking that last week at one and two, I'm like, it's imperative we win one of the three at the very least. You could recover from two and four. You can't recover from one and five, I wouldn't have thought. So we've got to two and two now. We've got Richmond and Port Adelaide to come. We won both of these matches last year. Do you sort of look at the season and think we've got to win one of them and get to three and three? Is it achievable if we don't win either of them? Um, Because I just sit there and think that how much does it set us up if we win on Thursday night? What about if we win both of them? Well, that's right. That's the, yeah. that's, the, that's the optimism that sometimes we don't have as Saints fans.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, last week it was doom and gloom. You're one and two, and then you've got West Coast, Richmond and Port Adelaide. You're going to be one and five, everyone riding us off. Well, imagine if we got through the three weeks with winning all of them and we're going to – we've knocked off West Coast after coming from five and a half goals down deep into the third quarter. There's no reason we can't beat Richmond on a speedy Marvel stadium with a big crowd. And then we play Port Adelaide and Adelaide without Dersmer and, and Butters who both, who, who both won't be playing. So that's, you know, that, and we, we, we played really well in Adelaide last year. So there's no reason... Let me tell you, boys, the 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 footy we played in the last forty five minutes of last week's game. There, there should be no one that we're fearing if we play that sort of footy, and I think everyone would be fearing us. And you know, we were talking about it today. This is such an even year. There, there are there are legitimately eight or nine teams this year that could claim claim a stake that they could actually win the premiership this year. And like it, it, it is that even this year. So. Um, so I don't. So even look, if we did lose, Daz, in answer to the question, I don't think it's uh, it's end of the season by any stretch. It, it's two and four. I think we've got Hawthorne after that, and we should be able to win that. And once you get look, if you get to the halfway mark and you're kind of five five six five around about that mark, you set. It's a long season. You set yourself up to probably win. You know, seven or eight of the last eleven, you can you can still get a top four spot and and do a lot. Bearing in mind, the top four is probably not as it's still important, but not as important with a week off before uh, the first week of the final. So, very even season this year, guys. And yeah. But obviously, it would be great to win them both. And uh, even enough that maybe we could have gone 1-5
1: and still finished top. We've done it before, so but yeah, we don't have to worry about that now. So, yeah, um, as you're saying, anything's possible this year. So, uh, yeah, I hope it'd be great to knock the two of them off the next two weeks. We, we would go into the rest of the season... Yeah, head high then, and it'd just be a looking forward, going, all right,
2: who's next? Well, well yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe it could be a bad thing. I mean, I, you know, if we, if we won the next two, we might get a little bit in front of ourselves as well. I think we, I think we turned up at the Essendon game. You know, in retrospect, I think it's pretty clear that we just thought we would turn up that day and win that game. So maybe uh, a little bit of fire in the belly, which we had against West Coast, is 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 probably the edge that we need to be playing with this year. So, yeah.
0: The life of a, a Saints fan, we always think about what if this goes wrong and what if that goes wrong. But, um, yeah, it's a massive game. We're playing the reigning premiers, the team that ended our season last year and then won a flag two weeks later. That should be a reminder of how close we were. We were 17 points down in the last quarter of a first semifinal, missing five of our best 22 against the side that went on to win the flag. Now we play them again, so we get to measure where we're at entering a new season it's a, it's a much different feel to what it was a week ago and hopefully they can keep that momentum rolling uh, andrew thank you for stepping in very last minute for nick and we certainly hope that he gets well soon thank you to lazar who uh uh, joined us a little bit earlier he had some some technical difficulties i'm not sure that uh, technology is his strength but uh good to have him with us all the same and, and h thank you to you as well but uh go saints boys quick turnaround for thursday and um hopefully we can do it all again and check out saints fc archive on youtube uh to catch if you want to pass any time in the office or do anything at home they'll uh there's some fantastic stuff there and uh, there's certainly plenty of games that uh I think I've even hit you up at that. I'd love to see uh, somewhere down the track that I haven't seen since they actually occurred from the Halcyon days under Grant Thomas. But uh, we look forward to Thursday night. And of course, it is Maddie's match. So make sure you support Maddie's vision uh, either at the venue or in the lead up to it and help out the extended Rewalt family and that cause. But go Saints as we look to Thursday.